December 1, 1981, Chief Medical Examiner for Los Angeles County, Thomas Noguchi, gives a press conference on the mysterious death of 43-year-old actress, Natalie Wood, only two days before. Accidental drowning was the official cause of death, but today's news conference called by Chief Los Angeles County Coroner, Dr. Thomas Noguchi, left several key questions unanswered. First, the facts as Noguchi presented them. Miss Wood, uh, it appears, based on our investigation, around this day, noon, pardon me, around this day, uh, of the, uh, midnight, shortly after midnight of the Sunday morning, she apparently attempted to get on to the uh, dinghy, slipped and fell in water, unable to return to the dinghy or the boat. And uh, later, the body was found about a mile away and the boat dinghy was also found uh, close to the shore. Noguchi said there was no evidence of foul play. He did indicate, however, the tests revealed Miss Wood was technically drunk, but continually referred to Wood's condition as slightly inebriated. He nevertheless admitted that alcohol might have been one reason why the actress was rendered unconscious. Noguchi also said that a heated but non-violent argument had ensued between Wood's husband, Robert Wagner, and actor Christopher Walken, a guest on the yacht. But Noguchi could not confirm what the argument was about, or whether it indeed was the reason Miss Wood decided to leave the ship alone. Argument apparently took place, not involving Miss Wagner, but Mr. Wagner and uh, other actor, and uh, Miss Wagner apparently did not involve, and apparently that may be the cause of uh, herself separating from this group. Noguchi further revealed the actress had prescriptions for two sorts of painkillers, Darvon and Dalmain, but said further tests would reveal whether these drugs were in her system. The results of these last toxicological investigations will be made public in a few days. True crime. Political conspiracy. Celebrity gossip. Murder. UFOs. Crooked officials. The occult. Assassination. Courtroom drama. Rape. Corporate scams. Scandal sheets. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Scandal Sheet. My name is Thad Helsley, and I am here today, as always, with my co host, Ellie. Ellie, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Thad? Good, good, good. And we also have our brilliant AI intelligence engine, Bernice. Hello, everyone. Finally, a real juicy scandal. I can't wait. Ellie and Bernice were also joined again by New York super lawyer David Grover from Grover and Fensterstock. I hope I pronounced that correct, David. You did. Da- Awesome! David has sometimes appeared as a member of the Mets mob on this podcast and in our previous one, but also sometimes as an attorney, as he did in the Britney Spears episode. So, welcome back, David. Hey, Thad. So happy to be here. So happy to join both of you once again. Okay, cool, cool. So, since this podcast started last July... 
We've covered numerous crimes, conspiracies, scandals, but this is our first murder, or I, or I, I guess I should say alleged possible murder. David, I know you defend people uh, for a living in your real job, but I'm wondering if you can uh, possibly put on your Los Angeles district attorney hat and reevaluate this 40-year-old case from a prosecutor's uh, viewpoint, even if it's a skeptical one, because probably uh, that person is under enormous political and entertainment industry pressure to uh, dismiss the case as as an accident, as it was infamously done in 1981. You think you can do that? Yes, I could, Thad. You know, there is so much evidence that have come out in the last number of years. I think okay. the prosecutor has some grounds to prosecute this case. There are so awesome. many things. Yeah, there are. Okay. Number one, we now know that Robert Wagner and Natalie Wood had a horrible fight the night of her death. That Robert Wagner smashed a wine bottle, yelled at Christopher Walken and said, are you trying to fuck my wife? Okay. We know that Robert Wagner, or I'm sorry, it's been alleged by a witness on the boat, Dennis Deverne, mm-hmm. that Robert Wagner and Natalie Wood had a horrible, possibly violent fight on the boat that night. Dennis Deverne's statement. Well, don't give up too much yet. Okay. Let's keep a little suspense for the. Let's not reveal well, the third act yet. Let's not go crazy, but you're right. Yeah. That plus. The bruising on her body, to me, equals a valid case to prosecute. Right, right. Okay, well, cool, cool. So, now, uh, this is an actress that died in 1981. And, uh, you know, as always, I always, when we do these, like, retrospects, like uh, the Beatles or whatever, I always ask Ellie, you know, hey, (laughs) why did you think we should do this? So, Ellie, why did you think we should do this? Well, I thought we should do it because I Googled who is Natalie Wood, and it said the girl on Miracle on 34th Street, and I was like, oh, yep. I like her. <laughs> I, <laughs> that, was that was it, right? It. And, then, and then we took the deep dive. I'm a pretty, I like to think I'm a pretty agreeable person. I, I like to just say yes to things. So I don't have a really good answer for why I said yes to this one. I was just, you know, I thought it would be interesting. I like to learn. And I like to learn about actresses that died well before I was born. So here we go. Okay. So for people like Ellie that maybe don't, when I say people, I mean (laughs) people who are younger than David and I (laughs) have never maybe heard of Natalie Wood. Bernice, can you give us a sort of a summary of her career? Natalie Wood, born Natasha Zakharin Kawaz, was an American actress who began her career in film as a child and successfully transitioned to young adult roles. She was the recipient of four Golden Globes and three Academy Award nominations. Born in San Francisco to Ukrainian immigrant parents, Wood started acting at age four and was given a co-starring role at age eight in Miracle on 34th Street. Susie, where are you going? What is she doing? Susie! 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 Susie, Susie! where are you? Susie! Calm right down. You know you shouldn't run around in other people's houses. You know better than that. But this is my house, Mommy. The one I asked Mr. 
As a teenager, she was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress for her performance in Rebel Without a Cause, 1955, followed by a role in John Ford's The Searchers, 1956. Wood starred in the musical films West Side Story, 1961, and Gypsy, 1962, and received nominations for an Academy Award for Best Actress for her performances in Splendor in the Grass and Love with the Proper Stranger. Her career continued with films such as Sex and the Single Girl, Inside Daisy Clover, and Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice. Critics have suggested that her cinematic career represents a portrait of modern American womanhood in transition, as she was one of the few to take both child roles and those of middle-aged characters. So David, I think you and I are old enough to remember Natalie Wood, sort of. I mean, when I was a kid... I mean, I didn't see her in a movie theater, but I remember seeing her in the late 60s, early 70s on TV, like in that movie, the comedy movie, The Great Race or The West Side Story. Um, they weren't going to let me watch Gypsy or anything like that. But but, you know, of course, uh, you know, and of course, I still, you know, they still endlessly like uh, as as uh, Ellie said, replay the miracle on 34th Street where she's eight years old. But I mean, do you do you have memories of her? Uh, actual organic memories yourself? You know, I think you have me by a couple of years. So it makes and that actually does make a little bit of difference. Remember, she she uh, died in 1981. I was 12 years right. old. So right, okay. As a 12 year old, I kind of remember the death being a story, but I don't remember her as an actress. I do remember Robert Wagner because Heart to Heart was later on, I believe, in the 80s. Well, Heart Heart to Heart was a hit show when that occurred. I think. Yeah, yeah. When when the when the uh, the quote unquote death occurred, but okay. So you never saw her even on TV uh, as a like you never saw West Side Story or something like that. Clips of that and clips on America on Thirty Fourth Street and things like that. But no, I have I never saw her in any of her starring roles really. Okay, okay, okay. You know, as we, uh, you know, we're going to get into this whole thing about uh, how Natalie Wood, hey everybody, this is about how did Natalie Wood die, and it's really weird. So, she was she was married to an actor named Robert uh, Wagner, who had been sort of a, uh, you know, this handsome um, uh, screen idol when they were first married, but then they got a divorce. And then many years later, they remarried, which was kind of unusual itself. So, so Ellie, I don't know. I thought, could you can you kind of kind of explain this weird kind of a thing to us? That's kind of unusual, like getting married, divorced, and then ten years later get remarried. Yeah, I think it's really weird. I don't think it's super weird in the realm of like Hollywood and all of its weirdness. I mean, they got married pretty young the first time, and before that. Robert Wagner was actually dating a woman who was like 20 years older than him or something. So, and then, and then they, they started dating, you know, he started dating Natalie Wood right when she turned 18. So I think maybe it was that they were just a little too young the first time they were together. And, you know, they were just really trying to, you know, get their careers, 
you know, keep the momentum of their careers going. But I, you know, there, there are definitely a lot of alleged rumors that, um, you know, Robert Wagner was actually bisexual or homosexual. So that's what drove their first. Is it, is it alleged well. at this point? Yeah, I couldn't find any really uh, firm sources that said okay. that. Um, so I think the biggest driver of that rumor is Lana Wood, Natalie Wood's sister, the actress who right. has made a lot of questionable claims as well. And then pretty much the only other places I could find things were in like, you know, the Daily Mail, you know, tabloid-esque sources. I couldn't really find any real source of hidden claiming homosexuality. And actually I did find an excerpt from his book on NPR and he did blatantly say like, I'm not homosexual, but that doesn't mean that, you know, he wasn't, it was just a story about how I guess Natalie Wood walked in and found, I think it was their live-in Butler and Robert Wagner, like intertwined in the pantry or something like that. I mean, Hollywood's weird. Celebrities are, you know, celebrities are always playing around with their sexuality and stuff. And maybe it was just a different time where he really felt that he had to cover it up. I mean, 19 the 70s and 60s were way different than 2022 so i i guess i would be surprised if he was gay but i also you know (laughs) he says he's not so yeah he says he's not now there was an undiscovered or uh, i'm not saying undiscovered it was discovered but unpublished vanity fair article where natalie goes into great detail about her discovery of her husband's uh, orientation, but um, oh. but it, yeah, yeah, in an, in one of the other books, but but I mean, you're right. I mean, in that, and I don't want the people to be like listening and say, "Oh wow, here we go, anti-gay podcast." No, 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 <laughs> come on, man. <laughs> All we're saying is that you know, back when when the first divorce took place in the uh, like the fifties or whatever, obviously sexual orientation was something that was deeply deeply in the closet and not discussed right. so you know I, I i can't blame him for sort of you know kind of as a lot of other guys did i mean remember the first guy that we heard of that got aids in the late 80s was rock hudson, rock hudson. he was a and he was a matinee movie idol i mean he was like the handsome and you know, nobody could believe that he was gay so I'm sure he was trying to avoid all that stuff. I, the the question for me is okay. So you know, and it, you know, and it's you know, I feel bad that he never told her. You know, and then she had to find out in the worst. And like if you like, if I walked into my bedroom and my wife was sleeping with another guy, that would be a shock to me. But if she was sleeping with another woman, that would be even a double shock. <laughs> so, so that was kind of the shoes. And so, okay, so that's a re- good reason for a divorce, maybe if he had not been honest with her. But then they hooked up again later. Knowing, presumably knowing, you know, even though it wasn't publicly released, presumably knowing what the deal was going to be. Well, and that's where I can't really wrap my head around it, because I think, you know, even if it were even if it were true, right, like and then he you know, they ended up getting back together. First of all, you have to remember that Robert Wagner got married again in between his marriages to Natalie Wood and had children or a child in that marriage and then, you know, married Natalie Wood and then they had two more daughters together i think really you know even if he was gay does that matter i mean it looked like they ended up having a beautiful family together and really wanted to have kids and it looked like they were great parents so 
Well, they, no, it, go ahead, David. No, they actually, reportedly, they had a pretty tumultuous relationship, and that's kind of part of this whole angle as well. Um, there was a story, and I think it's it's been reported many times, that at one point Natalie Wood ran into her neighbor's house. It's been reported many from many places that they had a very tumultuous marriage. And at one point, she ran out of the house, ran to a neighbor, knocked on the door, and said, my husband's going to kill me. So she feared for her life. So that marriage apparently had a lot of issues. Was that the first one or the second one? Or both? I believe it was. I think it's the second okay. one that happened. I believe All it was right. the second okay. one, yeah. All right. So, I, I, you know, the... I mean, to me, having, you know, because I've been in the performing arts for, my gosh, since I was in junior high school. So I, I have been around, you know, people who are openly gay and they're proud of it. And, and you know, I'm always like the token straight guy. So whatever, I am not like in the opinion that any of this is bad, but if you're like sort of stuck in that world where you got to pretend you're straight, even if you're not. And then, I mean, I wonder how it fueled as, as when, when we get into this thing, the jealousy thing, I mean, if it was just a regular jealousy thing, but you know, you know, the, the, I don't know. I mean, Ellie, David, you guys jump in. I mean, just the self-esteem or the guilt or whatever of secretly being gay. And then, you know, now she's, you know, uh, flirting with this younger guy in the boat, blah, blah, blah. Right. Like if he's jealous of not being able to be his true self and yet like her, her true self is extremely popular and, you know, celebrity and a very accomplished actress you know I can imagine how that might create some frustration that could possibly turn into violence well and you know but the thing is if you're married to I mean this was the most one of the most celebrated sex symbols female sex symbols ingenue of our time Elizabeth Taylor Marilyn Monroe Natalie Wood in the 60s, 70s, 50s, 60s, 70s, boom, that was it, right? They were, they were the epitome of female beauty that was being marketed by the entertainment industry to us. Heavy makeup, great figure, blah, blah, blah. That was what people were supposed to think was, was – and, and Ellie would probably say, <laughs> okay, well, fuck that. But that was what was being sold to people, right? And I, I regret that, you know, and the same thing was being sold. Men was like, everybody had to look like Kirk Douglas with gigantic six pack abs and gigantic pecs and stuff like that. And me and David are like, oh, gee, I guess that's not us. Uh, so, <laughs> no. <laughs> so, but I mean, he, here you got your uh, uh, gay bisexual guy married to one of the top ingenues on planet earth. That's gotta be a little weird. Yeah. It, it, I'm just, I'm just not sure. I, I totally buy that whole story. Like I, I think just okay. because, you know, like maybe Natalie Wood walked in on him at one point, I don't think that they would have gotten back together and like remarried and had a family together. If that were absolutely the deciding factor in like their first divorce. No, clearly something. Well, there was something else. Go ahead, David. Well, actually, well, her um, she was quoted by her sister when she announced she was going to marry him once again. 
she said to her sister, well, it's the devil you know. Hmm. Meaning, maybe that's what she meant by that. Yes, he's bisexual, but, you know, he's got the great, great characteristics. So who knows what she meant by that? Yeah, yeah. Um, but I guess, you, you know, if you're Natalie Wood, presumably, you know, in your, your, your prime, in your late 20s, early 30s, you could you could pick and choose. I, I know it's a really bad, uh, yeah. poor choice of words. There are other fish in the sea. Uh, <laughs> so, but she could probably pick and choose from anybody, couldn't she? She's had a rough, you know, reportedly she had a rough, some tough relationships. I mean, there's a lot yeah. of rumors out there. Yeah. Who knows if they're true? Yeah. Uh, there's an allegation that she was... um raped by Kirk Douglas when she was a young kid. There's a lot of yep. rumors out there about her. You, about oh, yeah. So. Wow, David, you did some research, buddy. <laughs> I did, if, I did. If no, if no one in Hollywood, if no celebrity ever has a normal relationship, like, why bother? You know? Like, you know, like <laughs> said, just take the devil you know. I mean, yeah. like, you're never going to find, like, the one perfect person like everybody seems to be pretty messed up right well protection maybe there's a protection part there you know remember it was a long time it was, it was a little different back then right i mean today powerful woman they could you know be single and look at look at some of these famous uh celebrities who never got married or single and they still live this great life well even if they do i mean look at kim kardashian and she's only famous for being famous she doesn't really actually have any talent i mean you can't say a boob job as talent but um she you know and now she's going on her fourth marriage now she just broke up with the like the biggest hip-hop star on the planet kanye west you know they're gonna have the biggest divorce settlement but she doesn't need to be married no she doesn't she's a billionaire in her own right right but I think back then, women, especially famous women, needed to be married for their story, for their career. I think it was a different time back then. Well, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. And and, and maybe as a working woman, you know, like as a working mom and a working wife, I mean, she really was, you know, getting a lot of positive publicity for that. So maybe that was a big aspect of like her success is, you know, being like the working mom with the publicity that goes along along with that she was really one of the first people who did that like one of the first you know female celebrities who also you know had a full-time family you know to Ellie's point yeah it had to be a great career move to be married to a guy like Robert Wagner even though maybe she was bigger than him in, in most ways it made her story even bigger so it had to be something that I'm sure her publicists urged her to do I'm sure it was a good career thing for her no, I mean, that, that's a fantastic point, Alec, because she, I mean, she really was the original Renaissance woman or post-Renaissance woman that really, because Marilyn Monroe had tons of husbands. I don't think she had any kids, though, did she? Or, or even uh, Elizabeth Taylor, you know, her contemporaries at the time. She balanced a career. She had a family, a good family. You know, and the kids grew up and they're happy and, and stuff like that. I, you know, that and, you know, and, and a tremendous accomplishment in that era, in that era, very pre uh, Me Too movement era, 50s, 60s, 70s, right? And a lot of those kids, right, in those, in, in those families did not turn out well. 
right? There's a lot of drugs and, and crime. Well, like, you mean her kids? I thought her kids turned out No, well. no, no. People in that, in those situations. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. Yeah. 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 So one other back point, uh, backstory point I wanted to bring up, which I don't know if it seems stupid when, when we listen to it back, I'll cut it out. But, you know, th- so much of this story depends on the fact that that Natalie Wood and her husband, Robert Wagner, were boat people, pleasure recreational boat people as distinct from professional fishermen. And, 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 and boat people are somewhat unique from people that have never owned a boat. And by a boat, I don't mean a canoe or a fishing boat for you guys out there. I'm, I'm talking about large vessels that uh, an individual can afford and uh, run that you can take to sea if you want to and that have bedrooms you sleep in. Now, now Ellie, I think part of, at least part of your childhood was in Portland, Maine. Is that correct? Yeah, for a very brief time. Oh, it was a brief time? Okay. Yeah. But that is that is a boat culture. I mean, when you look at... You're not going to see a picture of Portland, Maine without like a thousand boats in the harbor. But but now you also live in Anchorage, Alaska, and that is on the water. I don't know if it has a recreational boating culture, but it, it is on the water. Yeah. In general, we have a very small boating culture, just recreational boating culture in Alaska. Because um, like you said, if it's not a fishing boat, it's... Oh, you know, people are like, why do you have a boat if you're not going to go with it? Um, But but it does exist. Um, And but I I do, you know, growing up, my grandparents had boats in the Midwest, not necessarily on the ocean. And so, you know, we'd like take a houseboat out on the river, on the lake. And, you know, that was on the lake. Yeah, that that was always fun to go, you know, spend an out, spend a night out on the water with grandma and grandpa in their houseboat. So um, that I, I do have experience on boats, but I do not own a boat. Um, I'm sure my husband would like everyone to know that if this podcast gets very successful, that means he can get a boat. Um, well, I mean, that's what you that yeah, that's what sponsoring you... <laughs> us. That's what you told me. We're <laughs> we're on a mission to get you and your husband a nice little boat. We'll see. We'll have to see what it is. We'll have to we'll have to start a um, a whole uh, GoFundMe on that one. But so so David, I you know, and I don't know how um, New York City works because I know that you know New York was was founded, purchased, stolen, whatever you want to call it, by the Dutch, primarily because of its fantastic uh, natural harbor, the best in the Western Hemisphere, very deep. You could get the biggest ship in there and go right up to the land. But is there, like today, in 2022, is there a recreational boat culture in Manhattan or the New York City, um, among the the, the islands of New York City? Yeah, I mean, a little bit. I mean, you're talking about, the massive yachts. You're not talking about the fishing. Boats, okay. Like okay. Said, right? right. Yeah. So if you're talking about that, yes. I mean, you have, there's a, a dock near the world trade center where you have some massive yachts over there. There's the Hamptons. Mm. Where you have some okay. massive okay. yachts. The Long Island, Island. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that's, but that's, it's not that kind con- it's more than maybe the billionaire class. That is not the bi- well, I mean, this is a 60 foot yacht. It's not I mean, that we're talking about. It's not yeah. inconsequential. You know, yeah. it's certainly not a fishing boat. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, it's still a three, four bedroom ship to have that in New York. You have to be very, very uh, pretty wealthy to have something okay. like that to dock right. in the World Trade Center and the Hampton Sag Harbor. 
you got you have to have uh, very high upper class. So, you know, the, the only reason I brought this up is because I grew up on lakes. First, half my childhood was on Lake Michigan, the largest lake in North America, and then smaller lakes the second half of my childhood. And my parents never owned a boat themselves, but we would be invited. So there was always a boat culture going around of people doing this recreational weekend, personal kind of boating and because of what we're going into in the next couple of minutes is about okay people doing their pleasure boating on the weekend doing extraordinary amounts of drinking and you know that was always even as a little kid when i got invited onto somebody's you know quote unquote you know yacht which was probably not nearly as as wonderful as this one but lots of drinking going on and you know what people would fall overboard it wasn't that uncommon to fall overboard, although that's why you have drunk people falling overboard. But, you know, sometimes people <laughs> were pushed overboard just for fun, you know, just as, as a gag. But that's why you have life preservers with ropes and, and the harbor patrol and the lake police and all the other stuff. I mean, what do you guys think? Definitely a drinking culture, like you said, yeah. with, uh, with boats, with yachts. You know, I th- it might be different today than it was back then. I think today there's more of an issue with boating while drunk, basically. I think that's something because ha- when you talk about death with boating, I think of boating accidents. I think of drunk people driving these boats. Um, in fact, same with me. Same with me. People and, colliding. And fact, people colliding. And as, as someone who had a uh, baseball podcast, you might recall Jose Fernandez, right? Wasn't that a drunk boating accident in florida the famous florida pitcher ah okay okay yeah so when i think of i think of drunk deaths boating i think of the the accidents you don't think so much as the drowning because i guess today most people know how to swim and like you said there are life preservers there are people looking out so yeah that's you don't see that as much well and then that's the kind of point i want just to help us set the stage is that Yes, people fall overboard, but there are, you know, actual, like in my, all my experience of my whole childhood, I never heard of anybody drowning in that kind of an instance. Um, but, you know, go ahead, Ellie. Yeah. I will, I will say, you know, a sunny Saturday afternoon in the Midwest on a okay. lake is going to be significantly different than being on a boat an ocean going boat that can make it like out to Catalina Island at the end of November after Thanksgiving at night when it's not great sailing weather because it's rainy and windy and they have a lot of waves. And I mean, the, the whole situation surrounding Natalie Wood's death is that, you know, she, you know, went missing around 11 PM and everybody was very drunk. And then they didn't notice, they claim at first that they didn't notice she went missing, whether she was murdered or not. But if you just take into consideration the environment of it being the ocean and not a lake, it was rainy, it was dark, very late at night. And yeah, when you look at like a sunny Sunday afternoon, if you fall in and you're actually having trouble swimming, you know, your friend is going to toss you a life preserver. But if you're alone, you know, if she had gone out alone on the boat, um, a lot of people uh, speculate that she had gone to like retie the dinghy because it was maybe knocking against the boat and she couldn't sleep. I mean, if you fall and nobody's there, then and life preservers don't work if there's nobody there to throw them in. So I think even though it's 
you know, everybody was drunk. And I also don't know anybody who's ever drowned. I think it's pretty, it's, it's a different scenario. It was cold and it was windy and there were a lot of waves. And even the people who claim to have heard her calling for help less than 50 feet away on their boat that was moored in that harbor. I mean, they said that it was too treacherous of weather to swim over 50 feet. 50 feet is not a lot. I mean, I regularly swim in a 25-yard pool pretty easily. Most people who are comfortable on boats can do that. But if it's late at night and you're not really sure where the sound is coming from, I mean, I think that goes to show that it's pretty, um, it was pretty treacherous conditions. But that also goes to show that maybe it was a little wild that they were out there anyway, because who wants to be boating when it's rainy and gross the weekend after Thanksgiving? Those are all excellent points, um, uh, Madam Ellie. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I know I just hit a lot of points there without giving No, no, please. I'm glad. <laughs> the, the, the only thing I will throw in there is that so I was checking like the mooring data on that night in that particular harbor where they were. There was like 75 other boats, 75, you know, which reminds me. So I lived in the same community where your parents had their boat on that lake. And like on a, a, you're saying like on a nice summer day, there would be a hundred boats out there, right? All kind of doing their thing. But even on this crappy, crappy day, on this particular night in November, there were 75 boats moored 30 to 50 yards away from one another. But but let's just set that aside. You're kind of on a roll. I was going to ask you, can you set the scene for us of this whole effing thing? Like, uh, you know, as uh, Natalie Wood, I mean, who's on the boat why yeah. were they on the boat? It's Thanksgiving weekend. The weather sucks. What the hell were they out there for? Yeah, totally. So, okay, yeah. so you're right. They have Thanksgiving with their families. It's a big, awesome family friend Thanksgiving dinner. And then Nellie and Robert had actually invited a lot of friends to go with them on the boat. And a lot of times, like their boat excursions were meant just for their families, you know, for them and their their kids. But this time it was just going to be an adults only weekend. And so they were inviting a lot of adults to come with them on the boat. And almost everyone declined just because they had other family obligations or the weather wasn't going to be great. And if it's not great weather, like in the ocean and you have pretty tall waves, like you don't need drinks to start yakking overboard. Like you can do that sober. It's not very pleasant to just be on a boat when it's not fun sailing weather. But no, that's true. I mean, I'm I'm one of those people that get sick on a ferry boat ride, you know, throwing up (laughs) over the thing just to go over the channel. So yeah, I get that. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. And so so, you know, it's Thanksgiving weekend, they kind of want to have a, you know, an adults weekend, but the 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 weather's not cooperating. And so most people bail except Christopher Walken, who was in LA, but he wasn't living in LA. So he was just there, I think, filming or promoting a movie. I can't remember exactly which. And they were, so, he was filming, just so if I can interrupt, he was filming a movie with Natalie Wood. Turned out to be her last movie. Okay. They were co stars. Oh. And in the movie, they were married. Yes, yeah, so and they, they were filming. They had intimate together. scenes. 
brainstorm. They had intimate scenes together. So go ahead. I'm sorry. That's right. They had been on location in North Carolina for a few months, and then they were coming back to L.A. to film like all the indoor scenes. And so, so he's not from L.A. So I think it was more of like, a, well, I have nothing better to do. Might as well go hang out on the boat. And so that is how it became this very awkward threesome of Natalie Wood, Robert Wagner, and Christopher Walken, and then, of course, their boat captain. And so they go out to, you know, Catalina Island, and they, they had done some, you know, different excursions and things like that, but they went to shore. They had a pretty alcohol and heavy dinner. And actually, when they were leaving the restaurant to come back to the boat, the manager of the restaurant, like, called the like harbor authority to make sure that they actually got back to the boat safely because they were all that inebriated right Um, right and so it was pretty obvious that you know they'd had a few drinks and then you know according to robert wagner once they got back on the boat they had a lot more to drink after dinner i mean when they found natalie's body the toxicology report showed 0.14 percent blood alcohol content plus some like either sleeping pills or like motion sickness pills um yep. so she had a lot of stuff in her system for sure and so so to go back to your question of timeline though so she disappeared around 11 p.m and around 1 30 p.m they thought or a.m the next morning they thought maybe she's she went back to shore to go back to the restaurant or back to the bar and so they went to shore to go look for her she wasn't on shore. And then around three in the morning, that's when they called the Coast Guard. So it was a four hour gap before they officially started doing search and rescue for Natalie Wood. Her body turned up around 8 a.m. that morning, like a mile mm. away. Right. So wow. I, I hope that's the timeline you were looking for. No, no, it is. It is. You know, no one wants to be in a car or a motorcycle accident or a slip and fall that causes physical or mental damage. And even construction accidents are on the rise today. But if you or a friend or family member are injured, you need a professional and understanding law firm that has experience in getting the most for their clients' injuries. And you can find all of that at the law firm of Grover and Fensterstock. They are a premier personal injury firm located in New York City, and their track record is excellent. They have years of experience working and winning for their clients. Now, they offer a free consultation, and they only get paid when you get paid. So how do you get in touch with them? Well, you call David Grover at 1-866-99-LAWYER and mention that you were referred by the Scandal Sheet Podcast, one of your favorite podcasts, of course. So David Grover at Grover and Fensterstock, 1-866-99-LAWYER, 866-99-LAWYER. You'll be glad you called. So this is where I want to, you know, kind of bring David in because, you know, based on like what you said, like all this other research we've done, it kind of came up with a list of things like if, Ellie, if you and I were in the original ruling of the Los Angeles Medical Examiner's Office from 1981 was that it was an accidental drowning, the police, the Sheriff's Department of Los Angeles declined to do any charges. So it was that's what the death certificate said, accidental drown, uh, drowning, no criminal charges. But then it was reopened in the end of the 2010 decade, 2018. So, so there are a list of things here 
in in the new evidence that I wanted to throw at David and and see if how he reacts to it and and Ellie we can take turns throwing this stuff at him and let's see uh, and he can be as skeptical as he wants because David I know a district of attorney is like does it I look I don't want to take a case I can't win because otherwise I'm going to lose the election next uh, next year right so yeah <laughs> so Ellie do, do you want to take the the first one so okay David, first, the story given by Wagner and the skipper was that it was discovered by accident and the dinghy was also gone. So the presumption was that she went back to the bar on shore. A few things here. It's midnight, it's raining, and the waves are very choppy. And to top all that off, Natalie was found dressed with her nightgown and no undergarments. So who would go to a bar that way? I mean, granted, She's a Hollywood celebrity. They can do whatever they want. But the bar closed at midnight, too. So it was pretty well known by a lot of people that Natalie couldn't swim and was afraid of water. It's rumored that she wouldn't even go into the pool at her own house. So why should we take a dinghy out by herself, even under good conditions, let alone like these pretty rough conditions? What are your thoughts on that? I think out of all the explanations for her death that a defense could put up, that has to be the worst one they could use, right? How would a woman, like you said, who had a horrible phobia of water, leave her bed, hop into a dinghy in her nightgown in a storm in the dark and go to land? It just makes no sense. To me, there's a 0% chance that that would work. And I think a defense attorney would be insane to even use that in a court case. It just makes no sense. There are other things they could use. That is one defense I would not even bring up because it's so implausible. It makes no sense. Well, there was no defense attorney because there was no criminal charges filed, right? It, all, it went immediately to... Uh, the examiner just said it was accidental drowning, so there were no criminal charges. Yeah, and and as a defendant, Robert Wagner, for example, would take the fifth. He wouldn't cooperate. He wouldn't presumably speak to investigators. But, you know, his people, him, his representatives will, will throw theories out there. And I think that's the worst theory. They have a couple other ones that aren't as bad. But I think that one is something they, they should throw out and never even try to use that one. Yeah, and then the other thing was that Ellie was. I was just also wondering why would a person who's deathly afraid of water even step onto a boat in the first place? I mean, there's so much of this thing about you know she had these these nightmares of her dying in dark water, which is what actually turned out to be true. But she, like you said, Ellie, she wouldn't swim in her own pool. Why would you even get on a boat? Why would you have a boat with your husband? So I do have to say, I think a lot of this is that she, I think a lot of these rumors are kind of hyped up because she did die in water. There has been some footage of her swimming in her own pool at her house, whether she likes it or not, I don't know. But I think there's a big difference between being on the water and being in the water because I am somebody who I don't, I'm not afraid of the water. I just don't like being in the water, but I will gladly be on the water. And so people, there are a lot of people who have different, different levels of comfort 
with that. Maybe maybe now that she died from drowning, it's just a little overdone, the fact that she didn't like the water. Well, you know, Thad, that whole water phobia thing is kind of eerie, because if you know the background story to that is her mother went to a fortune teller many, many years ago. The fortune teller told her that once somebody in her family would die, drown in dark water. And I think that was told to Natalie and her sister. And I think that's why Natalie had this horrific phobia is because what this fortune teller told her mother when Natalie was a little kid. So that's where it came from. And yes, I do agree with, with Ellie that yes, you can have a phobia about being in water, but being on these, on this nice, beautiful yacht, I think there is definitely a big distinction. Wow, you totally did your research. Good Lord. <laughs> you you should be the Los Angeles DA. I think you should quit and move to Los Angeles. You never know. Yeah. You never know. After this podcast, I'm not going to call. Buy a boat. <laughs> so according to uh, Robert Wagner's testimony to the police in 1981, and also, he said this in his 2014 published autobiography, You Must Remember This. Natalie had gone to bed around 10 p.m. The rest of the group, uh, who are all mad, Wagner and Walken, Christopher Walken, and, uh, and the skipper stay up drinking in the main room, whatever that was called. So supposedly Wagner goes down to the bedroom, their bed, their shared bedroom, to check on her around 10.45 p.m. And really, she was not there. So the, the dudes all, you know, run around looking for her on the 60-foot bo- boat and can't find her. But they notice the dinghy is missing. And what is the dinghy? Does anybody know what a dinghy is? It's the boat, the little boat that gets you from the yacht to land. Okay, there you go. There you go, right. And it's supposedly rubber and inflatable. Okay, so that's missing, and Natalie is missing. So the presumption that is told to the police later is that, well, she just went for a little ride. So this is, by this time, it's probably after 11 p.m., but but, uh, Wagner you know, her husband or the skipper, the captain of the boat did not attempt to call anybody for help until one thirty AM. I mean, that's a long time. What do you make of that, David? I think that is very suspicious. And even beyond that, Robert Wagner would not allow the captain to turn on the searchlights to even look for her around the boat. Right. So, you know, Robert Wagner's behavior is, is, is somewhat disturbing here. His story changes. He does things that seem to evade or trying to avoid locating her. And to me, that goes into our, our thought about his motivation there, right? So why did he say this? Why did he not call the Coast Guard? Why did he avoid the searchlights? So it sounds like you're not leaning towards uh, Wagner at this point in the game. In the, in the narrative. I am le- leading towards Wagner's explanation. I mean, yeah. I mean, it doesn't sound like you're, like you're uh, particularly on his side. No, his explanation it's, makes no sense. Okay, right, right, right. And his story has changed over the years here and there. So, no, I, and I, I don't buy his explanation. Okay. 
So, Ellie, the next thing. So the coroner first said in his press conference that the toxicology report showed Wood was, quote, slightly intoxicated, end quote. Later in the same press conference, he said it was equivalent to eight glasses of wine. Natalie Wood is five foot, two inches, 119 pounds. And how she could even be conscious, let alone untie a boat in choppy waters and climb over the edge onto a ladder and do that is beyond me. They also found a drug that she had taken for seasickness, which would have magnified the effect of the alcohol. And I did read later that her toxicology report was 0.14%. So that's pretty significant. I mean, that's what, what do you think about that? What do you think about those levels of like drug and alcohol in somebody's system? I, I think that's very high, especially combined with the prescription medication, you know, that could amplify it dramatically. And that is probably the best defense or the best explanation that a defense attorney could put forth, in my opinion, right? The whole taking the boat to the island, that, that was never going to happen. Is it possible that she came out and she was drunk and drugged up and she tried to tie the dinghy to the boat and slipped? Yeah, I think that's possible. So I think the whole alcohol drug part is their best, if this went to trial, their best defense, in my opinion. Really? Even though she was dressed in her nightgown with no undergarments and only her socks, she would go out and try to get in a dinghy? No, no, not get into the dinghy. Um, the explanation, the Robert Wagner's new theory, or new could be 10, 20 years ago, but his later theory okay. was that the dinghy was banging against the boat. Oh, right. Awake, right. She went out to okay. tie it up. Okay. That's and, a much, yeah. I like, yeah. That's and there had been a, there had been a history of her asking them to retie the dinghy at night because it would bang against where their bed was that is, in, you, in you the guys sleeping right. cabin. Yeah. So. That is true. But, you know, the other side of that is it's not something she would do. That's the captain, Dennis DeVern. That's something they would ask him to do. It's not something that the owner of the boat would do herself. That's why he's there. That's his job. Right. Particularly, you know, in her nightgown with no underwear, which is kind of weird. But, oh, well. Uh, (laughs) um, Here's the other thing, David. So the original 1981 medical examiner's report and uh, pictures were taken uh, as well as, you know, all the other uh, stuff that a medical examiner or coroner would do. It detailed the bruising on Woods, very extensive, arms and legs, cited a four-inch bruise on her right forearm, multiple small one-inch fresh bruises on her left thigh, as well as fresh bruises and scratches to the backs of her legs. So, you know, and aside from the bruising, she also had superficial abrasions on her left forehead, left eyebrow, left upper cheek area. In the original sheriff's report uh, from Avalon, they said she looked like the victim of a beating. Now, that's an awful lot of injuries from falling into um, an inflatable rubber boat, even if she was just trying to top uh, uh, tie it off so it wasn't... Uh, uh, bouncing around but and don't say anything yet david but but then boom let's flash forward to 2013 when the uh chief medical examiner of los angeles not the guy from 1981 he wrote quote the location of the bruises the multiplicity of the bruises lack of head trauma or facial bruising support bruising having occurred prior 
to her entry in the water. David, please respond. And that, my friend, that is the best evidence a prosecutor could have. Because physical evidence, it's hard to dispute that. Yeah, you could say one witness is lying or forgetting or wrong, but that, you don't have to be a medical examiner or a scientist to say, wait a minute, you fall down. You don't have bruises all over your body. That doesn't right. make any sense. Right, right. I mean, and then you come on that with, with, with the arguments she could have had with him. It sounds like she was assaulted. Right, right, that, right, that's, right. That's what it sounds like. And it doesn't take an expert to see that. Okay. Okay. Okay, cool. So, Ellie, you were going to tell us about Marilyn Wade and her son. Yeah. So the next the next piece of evidence I have for you, David, is that Marilyn Wayne and her son were on a boat that was moored only 50 feet away. And they heard a woman screaming for help and one or more male voices taunting her. They called Harbor Patrol, but no one answered. And then they called the Sheriff's Department on shore. And their boat and the Splendor, which was Natalie Wood and Robert Ragnar's boat, they were moored in the harbor of Avalon, a town on Catalina. They reported the cries of help to the local sheriff, and when they had heard the cries, it was raining outside and the waves were high, and they were afraid to jump into the freezing water on a moonless night to try to save her. After Wood's death was reported in the media, Wayne contacted the L.A. Sheriff's Department to report what she heard. In addition to her testimony, she offered to take a lie detector test, and the L.A. investigators never even bothered to interview her. What are your thoughts on this? Well, my thoughts are they made a mistake. They were negligent. They weren't doing their job. They should have absolutely interviewed her. I think her testimony or her statement there is very important. It may not be the most important evidence, but to me, it does two things. Number one, it matches Captain Dennis Deverne's statement and testimony. It's kind of what he said about the fight, because the captain's statement on its own is questionable, but when you have someone back him up, an independent witness, it makes him much, much more credible. The other part of this is if this went to trial, hearing that really horrible story about her crying for help will enrage a jury, make them angry, want to find somebody responsible. Mm. So that's mm. why I think that while her testimony on its own is not gigantic, as part of the rest of the case, I think it's very, very important. Okay, cool. So, David, on the subject of motive, so which is what everybody's like, oh, we thought this was the most loving couple on planet Earth. They were so cute. They were always kissing and hugging and blah, 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 blah. For whatever crazy reason, you know, uh, Natalie Wood's co-star on the movie they were both working on Brainstorm, as Ellie said, uh, was Christopher Walken. And Christopher Walken had just... He was kind of the hot dude in town. He had just won an Academy Award for Deer Hunter, which Ellie's like, Deer Hunter, what's that? But it was, <laughs> it was a big, big movie in 1979, 1980. It was about the Vietnam War, blah, blah, blah. It really it propelled him to fame. So, you know, and, and in the movie that they were working on, they were playing husband and wife. Okay. But, uh, you know, hey, you know what? You get into the acting business 
isn't it is you know the thing is whoever you're dating whoever your partner is whoever your spouse is guess what the other person is going to appear in a show either on stage a movie whatever with somebody else you know pretending to be intimate kissing and hugging you kind of have to deal with that don't you it's sort of a fact of life if you want to be in that profession and actually having a relationship i mean jealousy is a fact of life for all of us in any kind of well i'm sure david you know when when somebody whistles at his wife, it's just like jumps on that guy and just beats the <laughs> crap out of him. Central Park, he's like, boom, boom. The police are like pulling him off. But um, that's just a fact of life. But it's got to be worse for actors. I mean, I, I do agree with that. It's got to be worse for them to, to actually see your spouse up there, you know, kissing and hugging and maybe having a fake sex scene with, with your wife or, or, or husband. I mean, that's got to be like a kind of mind blowing, but still you sort of know that that's, you know, that's going to be the thing. So even in, in, in the now discredited original 1981 coroner's report, David, the chief medical examiner of, of Los Angeles County mentioned in his press conference that only occurred the Monday after the death. The death occurred late Saturday night or Sunday morning, and already they're holding a press conference like they know everything in, yeah. you know, 36 hours. He's like, well... You know, he first he says, well, we, we think it's an accidental drowning. And then he goes on to say, you know what? Walken and uh, Wagner were arguing about Natalie. We're having like a really heated argument. And it's like and of course, he gets fired like like 24 hours after that. But more recently, like years, like only a couple of years ago, uh, the skipper, Dennis Darwin and Walken have both told the police contradicting what they said in 1981. Sh- uh, Wagner shattered a full bottle of wine on the table after they returned from dinner on the shore that Saturday night with Wagner shouting, you are trying to fuck my wife, which I think you mentioned uh, at the top of the show, uh, David. And um, he, in his original interview with police, Wagner said that the broken wine bottle was only due to the heavy rocking of the boat because of the waves. Yeah, you know, the jealousy thing is a good point, but apparently there's a lot more to the jealousy there. Okay. Um, so, supposedly there was some serious um, electricity or connection between Christopher Walken and Natalie Wood. There was some, you want to say, sexual tension or whatever it was. And also, actually, the night before this whole thing happened, Natalie actually left the boat, asked Dennis Stavern, the captain, to take her to shore. She wanted off that boat. She wanted away from Robert Wagner went to a restaurant, actually stayed in a hotel on the island with Dennis Deverne. You're right, in the him. same room, right? In yeah, the same yeah. room. Just to get away from Robert Wagner. Yeah. And was thinking well, of leaving him. And they had actually yeah. gotten two rooms, but she ended up, I think, just like crying yes. on his shoulder all night. So that's an important distinction. So she came back, and also, so they came back the next day, and apparently when they went to dinner at that restaurant, Natalie... And Christopher Walken were there before Robert Wagner and the captain. And when they got there, apparently um, Natalie and Christopher Walken were flirting, giggling, having a nice time, and ignoring Robert Wagner. And that really, support, according to the captain, enraged him. So the jealousy might just might be way beyond 
playing roles in a movie. And we know if we are we are old enough, including Ellie, remember O.J. Simpson, you know, jealousy, rage, things happen sometimes. Well, again, and the other aspect to this is that, yes, they were husband and wife and they were to the media. They were the perfect couple. But if they weren't actually doing it in bed, I don't know how just to say it. You know, the fact that she might have been fooling around with co-stars probably isn't all that um, unimaginable. Although he may still felt possession. I mean, he gets more complex than just a husband who has a, a younger rival going after his wife. If you're like actually not even having sex with your wife, but you don't want her to have sex with anybody else either. That's a little more complicated, right? Yeah, well, I think yeah, absolutely the- like jealousy combined with alcohol combined with you know, all of the not just alcohol, Hollywood celebrity. I mean, what could go wrong when you go down the list of how much these guys drank over those two days? It just looks like I how did their hearts not stop? I mean, it's just unbelievable. And then plus, even though they didn't admit to doing cocaine and stuff like that, Walken in his most recent stuff admitted, yeah, yeah, we were smoking dope all over the place. But that was 2018 and nobody cares now. But I mean, and nobody still is going to, you know, in the 80s, cocaine was huge, right? So they were probably doing, they were doing, so, I mean, the amount of liquor, somebody did a whole list just enormous, enormous. I don't know why they're not all dead, just out of sheer cessation of bodily functions. But <laughs> they, they have great doctors. I guess so. I guess doctors so. and money. With money, you get away with anything. That's all right. Fame and fortune. So, Ellie, you know, I guess, you know, one of the obvious questions that people are going to ask okay, this happened in 1981. And then it was ruled a certain way, and maybe people didn't like the ruling, like the sister or the family and other people. But how come it's resurfacing now? I mean, the 40th anniversary was November of last year, just three, four months ago. Yeah, I kind of was asking myself that question, too. I wonder how much of it is just generally trying to keep the mystery alive i wonder another part of it is have all the people who were paid off to keep silent did did that money run out or like is robert (laughs) is he behind on you know on his payments yeah right right starting to talk or like he's 92 now right so he's you know is he just kind of more forgetful and off his game and not (laughs) able to you know remember like how to keep things straight and uh, how to keep people quiet right i don't know i think you know after some of the evidence that came out in 2018 her daughter her oldest daughter did i'm sorry natalie wood's oldest daughter did create a documentary that really shed the whole family in a pretty positive light and so I think, you know, she's no, that, like, that, trying to that's clear her HB- mother's name. Is that the HBO documentary from 2021? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, yeah. I think it came out in 2020 or 2021. So, I mean, okay. that keeps people talking as well because nobody likes to believe that it's just an accident. I think there's definitely enough evidence there, as David said, to kind of show that it maybe was more than just an accident. And Hollywood is weird and celebrities are weird. So, you know, maybe something bigger happened. 
made it not an accident. You know, there's also some other things being reported that's so kind of disturbing that the Wayne family you mentioned in the next boat over a couple right. of days later received a note saying, if you value, value your life, do not go public. Oh, with this. right. Yeah. And, and there were stories about Dennis, Captain Dennis DeVern um, being threatened and, and living with Wagner and not being locked in his room. There's a lot of very weird reports out there. And, you know, we don't know if they're all true, but there might be some foul Frank Sinatra. There's a lot of weird things out there. Oh, yeah. Oh, point. my God. Yeah. There's so many <laughs> other things in there. Yeah. So many people tried to shut this thing down in 1980 and they succeeded. But, but I, I, you know, now the guys who are in charge of it now, and I forget their names, we could look them up, but there's, and I wanted to ask you, David, specifically. So the, the person who just updated her book on Natalie Wood in um, November of, of last year, she says that the statue of a limited in California has run out. Like, like if they, they could like the, the current detectives on the reopen case could get um, Wagner for manslaughter, but that has expired from a statute of limitations uh, standpoint. However, murder actual first degree murder never expires doesn't have a statute of limitations but they don't feel that they have the evidence they they could have the evidence for uh manslaughter they don't have the evidence for murder one and uh robert wagner refuses to cooperate and because of the statute of limitations he doesn't have uh, testify if he, you know, to investigators if he doesn't want to. What what's up with that? Well, that's that's the problem. But you know, I think they have enough to go on. If very big if you yeah. believe the captain, you believe Dennis Devern is credible because he's your big baby. He's your big star witness. If but isn't that the problem? Because he's given controversy dictionary stuff and then when he does tell the truth or supposedly the truth it's because he just sold a best-selling book and that's the problem with him yeah so you have credibility credibility issues with him, right 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 then but you have the family the wayne family that kind of helps give him some credibility because they they witnessed the fight you have the bruising so you have something to go on now look i mean defense attorney could have a field day there too you know they they, their case isn't too bad either right what what are they going to say dad let me ask you a question do you remember what you had for breakfast 40 years ago today oh my god i don't know what i had for breakfast last exactly yesterday so you know you would say to a jury you're hearing these witnesses from 40 years ago i don't recall do their memories reagan i don't recall do their memories fade do they remember everything are they being accurate do you trust the captain who changes story a couple of different times, right? Mm-hmm. And then, of course, criminal trial. You know, you know, we all know what that is. You have to prove beyond a reasonable doubt, and that's right. a really high standard. So, right. do I think a prosecution has a shot? I think they do. If you if you like Dennis Devern, the captain, otherwise it's going to be a tough one. But it might be worth a shot. Uh, so, but, 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 I mean, from the standpoint of the fact that Wagner, who might be, according to Devern, is the pusher overboard. That's his story. 
he pushed her overboard and would not save her. Refused, wouldn't let him save her. Okay, he just turned 92 in February, a month ago. How actually likely is it that they can, at this point in the game, that they can nail this guy or that even if they did, that he would actually serve any jail time or be like Bill Cosby and they let him out? Well, I mean, you know, I think of some of these, I know it's a different type of court, but the Nazis, they, they've prosecuted Nazis well into their 90s from things that happened okay. 50, 60 years ago. Um, cool. Robert Durst, not quite the same thing, but he just got convicted recently, right, of uh, of killing his wife or his ex-wife many, many years later. So while okay. it's un- unusual and difficult, it certainly can happen, absolutely could happen. Okay, cool. Well, that's uh, hopeful for the people on that on that side of the fence. But I guess we should go around the table and just make sure. Like, I think we see where people's sympathies are. But let's just confirm. I mean, was this? Uh, you know, we always say guilty innocent at the end of a scandal sheet episode. Was this was the uh, death of Natalie Wood in on November 29th, 1981 was an accidental drowning as the L.A. coroner's office ruled originally, or was it some form of murder or manslaughter perpetrated by someone? Um, And if so, who was the someone? Ellie, you want to go first? I would say it is manslaughter. Okay. I, I don't think it was purposeful. I think it was an accident in some like blackout, drunken um, okay. tussle. They're just like fighting. She goes overboard. They're so just messed up drunk. And he's just like, well, people said he was stumbling over. It could slur in his words. And he was just pissing his pants. And he was just like, blah, blah, and she just fell over. And he just sat there and blacked out for an hour. Something yes. like that. Yes. Okay. And she did too. Yes. All right. David, what about you? Well, while I think the theory that she slipped when she was trying to tie the dinghy to the boat is a distinct possibility, I have to say it certainly could have happened. My feeling, my gut feeling for all the things we mentioned before is, yes, this was some type of crime. This was some type of murder slash manslaughter. I think there's too many strange coincidence um that make this look like it just shouldn't have been it can't be an accident i don't think it was an accident the one thing that bothers me i mean i mean you're right like the evidence is just so preponderantly on just robert wagner being like this predatory person although you know they were married twice Yes, they got divorced because she found out about his sexual orientation. But then they, for whatever reason, they must have, like, had a gentleman's agreement about getting remarried, right? And they, and then they, he, he was able to get it up for, to have a couple of kids, right? So <laughs> he was able to pull that deal off. And, you know, it's weird because just like just you guys probably saw this just the day before on Friday when they the three of them were walking around on the island. He bought her a five thousand dollar piece of diamond jewelry, which 
And today's money would probably be more like thirty, forty thousand dollars. You know, that one might be equivalent to like a, a really good wedding ring. And this was just on a lark. They just walk into a shop, and he's like, and they, it wasn't their anniversary or anything. There's just like, hey, honey, here, boom. You know, so you know, and, and maybe uh, David, you would argue as a prosecutor, well, he was just setting that up, you know, to, to make it look how much he loved his wife before he was planning to kill her, but. <laughs> I don't know. It just, I, I just don't, you know, why would he have thrown away those many decades of his life being with her? And I guess it, it, you can just explain it away with drugs, alcohol, and jealousy. Rage. I don't, I don't, I don't think it was premeditated. I don't think he went on that boat. Okay. Um, went on that crime of passion, crime of passion. Exactly. Anger. Okay. Um, rage, alcohol, things happen, things escalate. And then, uh, then it, results in her death yeah so no not premeditated but certainly an act of rage so is he like uh michael corleone at the end of godfather 2 he's just sitting there torturing himself with what he did even though he won't admit it to anybody else he's just gonna sit there and he's just gonna die and drop the orange and the little dog is gonna walk away You're confusing. That's uh, Vito Corleone. <laughs> I am confusing. You, I'm confusing three and two. You yeah. Combine Vito and uh, Michael on one, one team. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know him. Does he have a conscience? Does he care? I mean, if he has a conscience and he did do this, yeah, I'm sure he does. That would bother him. And if he does have a con, if he's a sociopath, he doesn't care. Doesn't bother him. Man, kill your wife. Oof. That is tough shit, man. It is. <laughs> it is. But I think it always Ellie? goes back into that Hollywood weirdness. You know, everybody is shallow, insecure, jealous of everybody else, including their spouses, and just constantly trying to fill the holes in their heart with alcohol and drugs and yachts. So I don't know. Uh, I guess it doesn't surprise me. If, you know, well, with whatever you know, personality issues they had. While I do agree with you, there's a plenty of non-famous Hollywood stars that have murdered their own wives and wives that have murdered husbands. So jealous rage, you know, it could be anybody. It could be a regular people. It could be wealthy. It could be the famous. Anybody could do that. But do those ones make for good podcasts? <laughs> they really do not. <laughs> <laughs> so Ellie, when your husband finally gets that boat that he's always wanted and he says, Hey honey, can you go to the dinghy in the middle of a rainstorm at midnight in your nightgown? <laughs> Maybe I will you be should wearing say, my life jacket. Hmm. Yeah, right. <laughs> Wear it all okay, the time. Okay, everybody. Twenty-four-seven. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you, everybody, for another great episode. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Ellie. Thank you, Bernice. Thank you, David. Okay. Thank you, everybody. We're resting our case on this episode, folks. We hope you'll follow or subscribe to Scandal Sheet on your favorite pod platform and share it with all your friends. We'd also love it if you'd leave us a shameless, over-the-top rave review. On Apple Podcasts especially, that helps us build audience. Also, we want to hear from you! You can reach us online at ScandalSheetPod.com, Facebook, or Twitter, or 
just send us an email to contact at scandalsheetpod.com. We'll see you next time on Scandal Sheets. Copyright 2022, Thad Helsley Media LLC. All rights reserved.